to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to stand with me this morning. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And it's so good to be here with you. Uh, Lee and I went on vacation last week. Um, My wife actually slipped in last Sunday and uh, slipped out, was actually in church with us last week. She's not here today, but uh, she seems to be getting better. And and I know I haven't said a lot about it. Um, We joke because I said, Lord, people may think we're having marital trouble or something, but uh, not the case. Um, the, The nature of her sickness is the kind you just don't say a lot about but Leah got C. diff and if you know anything about C. diff it's a really wicked um, disease and situation if you say C. diff to nurses they start breaking out hazmat suits so kind of give you the nature but it's been four months y'all it's been over four months that she has just been battling this and um, and we went on vacation last week and she really felt like the Lord touched her uh, a week ago Friday and we've seen a lot of improvements a lot of signs so don't stop praying. I want to get my baby back, okay? And uh, and so, uh, uh, but just thank you for that. But anyways, just be at church. We had a good time. It's good to be back. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to begin at verse 8. I'm preaching a message I've entitled, Persecuted but Persuaded to Press On. Talk about a subject I don't talk about much, but I think it's something we need to address. Here's what Paul wrote to his son Timothy. Uh, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the equated that he is able to keep <clears throat> excuse me what I have committed to him until that day Thank you. You can be seated this morning. Uh, There is a pop artist who is also a songwriter. She's been an actress. uh, And some of you are going to be shocked to actually know who this person is. But I keep up with things. I'm hip. I'm cool. You look cool in the dictionary. My picture's there. Um, Demi Lovato is is a pop artist and a songwriter. She's an actress. For those of you in your 20s, you probably know Demi Lovato because uh, she starred as... um, uh, let me see what was her name. I wrote it down. Yeah, Mitchie Torres in the in the Camp Rock movies and the Camp Rock Two movies. So if you were if you were in that age where you watched those movies, then you know who I'm talking about. And she's a popular uh, artist today. The reason I'm talking about her is because Demi uh, made uh, made the news. Demi rather made the news lately. Um, Demi went to Israel, um, got a trip to Israel, and while she was there, somebody in the course of conversation talking. Um, got her to the Jordan River, and she was water water baptized in the Jordan River. Demi Lovato was baptized in the Jordan River, took pictures, put her on Instagram. Her 74 million Instagram followers, 74 million, saw her, you know, getting baptized. She was all excited. She felt like it was an experience that she said renewed her. And so she was very excited, thought this was a spiritual experience. What happened is she, something happened that she did not expect. She had a fierce backlash from many of those 74 million viewers because they didn't see 
the baptizing, they saw Israel. And there are people who are anti-Israel because of the whole Palestinian thing. There are people who think that the, that the Israelis are the bad guys. And so they just, they got in an uproar. Well, she was very frustrated about this, but instead of taking a stand or anything like that, this is what artists have to do. You can't isolate your fans. So she immediately apologized if she hurt anybody. Now, I, I don't know what Demi Lovato's spiritual state is, okay? That's not, I'm going to come up here to talk about her. I, I don't know what her spiritual state is. I don't know if she had a spiritual experience. If you read her bio and what she's involved in, she, is, she does not live the life of a born-again believer. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but, but, but maybe something happened to her. I don't, I don't know. That's between her and God. What fascinates me and why I bring this to the pulpit is that you have an American pop artist who is persecuted uh, for something that she did in Israel that is associated with the Christian faith. I think that's amazing. Now, that's in, the, that's in the news. That's a recent event. A pop artist, American pop artist, being persecuted for a faith that I don't even know she has. Paul, the apostle Paul, had the faith. He was a man of faith. Obviously, he was a, he was a man of God, and he really suffered and was persecuted for his walk with Christ. So he really knows everything about true persecution. Um, he, he suffered. When you suffer, you're going to suffer for two things. You're going to suffer for following Christ, and then you, you, you can suffer for being a minister for Christ. And so Paul suffered just because he was a follower of Jesus. There is a story in Acts 26 where Paul had been arrested for his faith, and, um, and, and so he's standing before a Roman governor named Festus. Now, for those of us who are old enough to remember Gunsmoke, it's kind of hard to take that name seriously. But if all of you are younger, don't worry about it. But so Governor Festus uh, is, has brought Paul before him, and Paul gives his testimony. You know the whole Damascus Road thing, how he was on the Damascus Road in the bright light, and he heard a voice from heaven, it was Jesus, and he got saved and encountered Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. He's telling his testimony. And as he's doing this, Festus looks at him, the governor, and says, basically, Paul, you're crazy, you've lost your mind. Now, that's persecution when you're trying to tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you and, and what you get back is you're crazy. But so Paul understood that. Now, if you go to 2 Corinthians 11, and I would encourage you to just read it later, Paul gives a list of the physical suffering that he experienced for ministering for Jesus Christ. It is fascinating, and I'm, I'm going to just go through it real quick. He said that five times he received 40 stripes minus one. Now, the, the Jewish people... Uh, they had this rule that if they beat you, that they could give you no more than So we're going to give you 39. You deserve 40, but we're only going to give you 39. I mean, I can't imagine. You get hit once in the back, much less 10 times in the back, much less 39 times. That happened to him five times. Could you imagine what his back looked like? He said that three times he was beaten with rods, so he, this had to be punitive. I know Jesus was beaten with rods when he was arrested right before he died on the cross. And then he was stoned once. Now, this is actually recorded in the Bible where he was stoned once, and they thought they had killed him. And it may have been that they had killed him. We don't know. Uh, it may have been that Jesus resurrected him or just he was buried alive, but it seems like God healed him, and he actually got up from that. Some scholars think that his eyes were damaged, that the rocks hitting his eyes damaged his eyesight because Paul would say, see with what large letters I have written you. He had to write real big, big, hand, uh, big letters because his eyesight was poor. So that happened to him. Uh, he had several assassination attempts on his life. How'd you like to get up every morning knowing there are people out there totally dedicated to taking you out? That's how he lived. 
And then he was falsely accused of wrongdoing several times. He was maligned and undermined by false teachers and false prophets. So Paul understood what it meant to suffer for the faith. Now, I want to I want to pull us fast forward into our time and say to you today, and I really want to say all believers, but I'm going to back it up a little bit and say most believers will suffer for their faith. Most believers are going to suffer for the faith. And anyone who tries to minister for Christ, you will be targeted by opponents to your ministry. There is this promise of Jesus in the Bible that it's one of those promises I don't like. You know, we just saying, all his promises are yes and amen. I wish this promise wasn't. It's in John 16, Jesus said, in this world, it's a promise. He's promising you, in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't y'all feel like shouting right now? Woo! Okay, trouble, strife, persecution, opposition. Jesus promised that you're going to have it. It's going to come if you're going to follow. He said, if the world hated you, it's going to hate me. If they didn't like you, they're not going to like uh, me. They're not going to like you. So it's a promise. Then if you go deeper into this book that I'm preaching from, 2 Timothy, and you go to chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So it goes in it. Let me just say this. They're going to put this on the screen. The call of Christ and the call of suffering for Christ go together. You can't separate them. It's going to happen, okay? Satan is going to initiate it. Sinners are going to let you stand for, and they don't like what you do for Jesus. Now, obviously, we don't suffer for Jesus like people in other countries do, okay? Um, in the early service, I was pointing out Jack and Nancy Terry, who go to church here. Jack and Nancy, Jack's one of our elders in our church. Jack and Nancy left here, left Anderson, and went to Honduras and served as missionaries for eight years. And I, I can't count the times when I've been in the vehicle with them where Jack would, and Nancy would tell me stories of people there in Honduras who were believers, pastors who were persecuted for the faith. One man was shot in the heart and was chopped up with a machete. And he should have died, and God healed him. They said he would, and, if he, and, and he lived. I was like, How did he live getting shot in the heart? God miraculously healed him. And then they said he never talked again, and, and Elder Jack said he went in the room to meet the man and said the man started talking to him. He said Jack started praying, the power of God hit him, and the man started talking again. Isn't that powerful? How do you know God's real? His power's real. And so we don't, we don't have that here like other countries, but just because it doesn't happen like in other countries doesn't mean that it doesn't happen here. It does happen here. And let me just say this. I think persecution for your faith is to be ex expected in post-Christian America. Now, some people still want to say that America is a Christian nation. We are not a Christian nation. You look at our laws and you look at some of the things we do, we are not a, we are post-Christian. I don't know if you know this, and I don't want to break any, bust anybody's bubble, but there are other nations that have Christians in it that are sending missionaries to America. That's true. I'm not making that up. They're sending missionaries. They say, you're one of the biggest harvest fields in the world. Now, we're in the, we're in the Bible Belt, so sometimes we don't see it, but our country is in bad shape. And, and, and more and more, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there, the chances are going up and up and up that you're going to be persecuted for your faith. And so, if, and let me just say this today, and if, this, if I step on your shoes, hurt. If you do not suffer for your faith in Jesus Christ, then that would be abnormal. And it should cause you to question your faith. Okay, so if you're going to work tomorrow and you go to work all week and nobody's giving you a hard time or nobody persecutes you, you should question yourself. You should say, am I really shining Jesus? 
or am I hiding Jesus? Do people really know that I stand for him? Do people really know do, do, by my words, by my life, by my actions, is, is, are, they, are they telling or am I blending in so much? And you got to be careful. Are you doing this intentionally that, I'm, that they can't see a difference between, between me and everybody else at work? I mean, that would be bad if you're like, say, the only Christian at work, but nobody, is there enough evidence to convict you of it? Okay, that you need to ask yourself, am I, am I hiding Jesus from my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers? Because some people get saved, but then they act like they're ashamed of Jesus and what he's done for them. So if you start talking about being a Christian or going to church, they'll slide off, they'll slip off, or they'll just go quiet, or they won't say anything, and they try to hide their faith. Let me just tell you this morning, you can't hide your faith. If you've got faith, you can't hide it. Jesus said, men do not light a candle and put it under a bushel basket. Okay? So I don't, I don't go into a room at my house and turn on a lamp and then get one of the 17 blankets that my wife has in our den. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And lob one of them, drape one of them over the lampshade to block it out. That would be dumb, wouldn't it? If you walked in, you'd say, Pastor, what are you doing? Okay, well, that's, that really looks stupid. Well, when you're a believer, it's going to hurt now, but if you're a believer, but you keep trying to hide your faith, that looks stupid. I mean, just go ahead and backslide and be a sinner. You can't believe you just heard a preacher tell you to backslide, did you? But I mean, if it, Jesus said, I'd rather you either hot or cold, but because you try to be lukewarm, you make, you make me sick. I'm throwing up. That's, what, that's in Revelation, by the way. So, so, you don't I, you take you would take the blanket off my wife would immediately take the blanket off and say what are you doing okay you turn a light on to light up the darkness y'all Jesus saved you you were part of the darkness in the darkness but Jesus saved you and is shining light through you and he expects you to go to work go to your house go to your neighborhood go wherever and shine him everywhere you go in the darkness so you don't hide your faith Okay, I, I've always said for years there are no James Bonds for Jesus. All right, you're not 007. Paul's ministry team traveled with him, probably performed miracles, probably preached the gospel, saw people get saved. I mean, th this guy was true blue, but, and I guarantee you what did it for him was that there was some persecution that started. Demas said, man, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want anything to do with this. Now, this is getting too rough. And if you read further in 2 Timothy, get to the end, Paul says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And, and Demas said, I'm not, I don't want all this. I'm going to go back to the world. I want to go back to where I can blend in and fit in and, instead of sticking out. And so some people will, will, will desert the faith. Paul said in this letter to Timothy, because he was afraid, I think, that maybe Timothy might be tempted to give in or to hide his faith. Paul said, look, Timothy, look at me. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I am not ashamed of Jesus. And so I want to stand here today and say to my congregation, y'all, never be ashamed of Jesus. Don't you ever be ashamed of Jesus. Don't you hang your head. Don't you change the subject. Don't you do any of those things. Paul said to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. Listen, I came here this morning to say to you, stand for Jesus. Take your licks for Jesus. Let people talk about you. Lose a job. Lose a promotion. Lose a relationship. Whatever you need to do, you do it and say it is worth it because Jesus means more to me than anyone else 
else or anything else. And you need to stand for your... Now, my mom and dad are here, and there's probably things my parents don't even know that I've never told them, and it really doesn't matter, but it happened to me when I was a kid. But my dad moved us to Detroit, Michigan, okay, Detroit. I learned more things in the, my first week in Detroit from my friends on that street, Dad, than you and Mom would ever want to know. Okay, so just leave it at that. I learned things that just I shouldn't have known, but I learned all kinds of it. It was Detroit, y'all, and, and, and I lived, I lived in, a, in a situation that was rough, and I had a group of friends on that street I ran around with. Ran with. My mom and dad would tell you that I was, a, I was a small, little, skinny little guy, okay? Uh, I never got in a fight. I hit a kid one time in school. In the 10th grade of Malden High School, I hit a guy, and he was acting up, and he was doing something to me that's perverse, and I turned around, and I, pumped, and I punched him, but I punched him in the chest. Oh, it thudded loud couldn't hit him in the face because in class so I hit him in the chest the English teacher stopped turning around she did not like Greg at all and when she saw that I hit him she turned around and just kept on teaching it's the only time I've ever hit anybody in my life and so and so I, I was a little kid I'd run before I'd fight okay because I was just a little wire kid I'd get beat up I'd fight I had this kid on my street named Richard he loved to pick on me and loved to punch me and he loved to beat up on me all the time well he did that for three years and going into ninth grade Detroit high school I grew six inches he didn't we went to school the first day and we were there and he punched me in the arm and I towered over him and now his head is under my chin. I said, you look at me. I said, don't you ever lay a hand on me again. Do you understand me? Because if you do, you're going to regret it. His eyes got big as pancakes. He had to look up like this. He backed up. He said, whoa, whoa I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I never had another problem with him. Now, I'm going to tell you something today. If you're one of those people that says, Pastor, you don't know my personality. You don't know the people I work with. You don't know who I hang around with. They're very intimidating. Listen to me. Now, I'm going to preach strong today. You might as well get used to it. I'm going to preach strong today. There comes a point to where you have to get a backbone spiritually and you have to stand your ground and you have to say, I belong to Jesus. I am a child of God. I've been born again. I'm not like you. I don't act like you. I don't talk like you. I used to act like you, but you're not going to intimidate me. As a matter of fact, all that you have going on in your life, you getting mad at me. I know what it is. You see in me what you don't have. You need what I got. You need Jesus. There comes a point you have to take a stand for what you believe, okay? And you need to take your licks. Why did they talk about me? Let them talk about me, okay? You let them talk, all right? What if I lose, what if I got this boyfriend or girlfriend and they don't want, they don't, they're not serving the Lord? Well, first of all, you should never be dating them in the first place, okay? There's no such thing as evangelism dating. If they're not saved now, honey, they ain't gonna get saved afterwards, Okay? All right, so there's no, so you, you said, but I love him. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, he loves me. No, he doesn't. Because you need to marry somebody who loves Jesus more than they love you. You need to date something. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. You need to date somebody that loves Jesus more than they love you. And if they don't love Jesus more than you, they don't love you. They love other things more than Jesus, which means they'll probably love other things more than you. He said, but I'm going to lose them. Lose them. Lose them. Let them go. You might lose a promotion. Let it, let it happen. Don't get bent out of shape. God's bigger than that boss and bigger than that work. 
We let things of this world intimidate us, and the devil is behind it. Y'all, I'm telling you, from someone who grew up as a very quiet, timid, kind of backward kid, okay? You see me up here with a microphone preaching boldly. Trust me, I understand what it's like to be insecure. I understand what it's like to be intimidated. But I'm telling you, there is a power that is found in the Holy Ghost that can take the most. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. We're not made to be mice. We're meant to be lions. got to take a stand my father-in-law Leah's dad Jim Talley Jim's priest here many times through the years Jim grew up in a very dysfunctional home I tell this story in my book when the natural meets the supernatural Jim Jim grew up in a very dysfunctional home his father was an alcoholic was more was gone more than he was at home so his mother had to raise three boys Jim was the oldest so at about 15 he went to work got a job because he's trying to just help make ends meet can you imagine by the way, I think it's awesome. You see that where he came from to where he is now. He stood in this pulpit and pulpits here and around the country preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you ought to see their home they live in. And God's blessed them. And he'll talk about it sometimes when he look at, looks at where he comes from. By the way, the greatest thing that can defeat poverty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when people who are poor get saved, they where, where they've lost their self-esteem and they have hopelessness, now they've got a God that gives them self-esteem and they have hope and they realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can come out of this poverty and I can do and achieve anything. I'm telling you, the greatest thing that's ever defeated poverty is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so my father-in-law, God's blessed him unbelievably. But at this particular time, he was unsaved. He went to work. Things are going great. He went to a church of God and I don't know if they had a revival or what. He got in a, They preached that night the gospel. He got in a conviction, got saved, gave his life to Jesus. Now he's on fire for God. He comes to work the next day, and for the next several days or weeks, he's working at this place. Is not really saying anything? But you, you can tell. How many know when you get saved, you should be able to tell? Well, his boss calls him in the office and says, Jim, you're one of the best workers I've ever had, but I'm letting you go. Jim said, why? He said, I'm going to tell you why, son. He said, because I know what's happened to you. He said, I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. I used to serve the Lord, but I'm backslidden, and I don't serve God anymore. He said, but you've gotten saved, haven't you? Jim said, I have. That's right. He said, I could tell. He said, I'm going to tell you how I can tell, because ever since you got saved, every day you come in here, I'm under conviction for my sins, and one of us has got to go, and it ain't going to be me, son. It's going to be you. I'll give you a reference to anybody that you want, but you are not going to keep coming in here putting me under conviction every day, and he fired Jim, and Jim lost his job. Let me tell you something. You can whine and you can pout and you can cry about that or you can do like Jesus said. Jesus said when you are persecuted, you are blessed by God. And he said rejoice and shout because when you're blessed, that means you're suffering for Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, you need to suffer for Jesus because when you suffer for Jesus, it makes Jesus worth more to you than ever before. Let me explain. How many of y'all like money? You did better in the first service. They just sat there. Y'all there? Y'all crazy? Okay, I like money. Y'all like money? I didn't say if you love money. Love of money is the root of all of it. How many like money? I like money. Okay, I like money. I work hard. I get money. If God, if somebody gives you something, you appreciate it because it costs them something. But when you work hard and then you get something, purchase something, you value it even more, don't you? Ladies, you all get a new couch. Kids come running in. The dog said, get off my couch. Don't you get on that couch. Out, 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 out. Right? Isn't that what y'all ladies do? Right? Guys, you buy a new truck. You know, I got a new boat last year because my engine blew my other one. I had to get a new boat. I had to. I love that. 
My wife made me. Oh, man, that new boat, I was so, I was, t I was touchy about that boat. You know, don't do anything in my boat. Leave me, ease in my, don't, don't hurt my boat. See, it's costing me money. I'm making payments. <laughs> Make payments till I'm 29, 2,000. No, it's going to be like 3,001 before I pay it off. What is it, 219? No, it's not that long. But but it's my, here's the point. It, when I got to pay for it, it means more to me. Okay, listen, let me just put this in perspective for you. Jesus did something for you that you could not do for yourself. He gave you a gift called salvation that cost him everything. So when, it, when you suffer persecution for him and it costs you something, you need to pay that price because if he gave everything for you to give you something free, you need to give something back to him, and that is your life, your commitment, your boldness. Your... You got to take a stand for Jesus. And you'll be blessed. Take your licks. Now, how could Paul tolerate such suffering like he went through, beaten with rods and all that? How could he endure it? He gives us the answer in one statement. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So I'm not preaching because it's one of my favorite verses. It just happens it's one of my favorite verses. Paul said, let me tell you how I can, how I can do it, Timothy. That's what he's saying to high praises to you today. How, how, Apostle Paul? How can, I, how can I do this? How can I take that stand pastor's preaching today? Paul said, let me tell you how I'm doing it. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Now, he didn't say, I know what. Y'all notice that? Now, if there was ever a theologian that surpasses all theologians, it would have to be Paul. Paul got caught up into the third heavens in the spirit and was given direct revelation by Jesus that was supposed to be Bible revelation. So he came back and wrote it down and became part of the Bible. Did y'all know that Paul wrote uh, over half of the New Testament? Okay, half of it. So I think this guy knew his theology. He was a defender of the faith. He taught sound doctrine, okay? However, what you need to understand is that when all these times he was beaten and whipped and shipwrecked, he didn't do that for theology. He didn't suffer for an ideology or a philosophy or a, or a, or a, a, a book of codified religious facts. He suffered for a person, and his name was Jesus. Everything he did, he did for Jesus. He, he believed in Jesus. He trusted in Jesus. He had confidence in Jesus. He trusted in who Jesus was, in what he said, and what he can do, and in what Jesus promised that he would do. So I'm coming here today saying to you, like the Apostle Paul, you should be able to say, I know whom I have believed. I know him. You should be able to say that today. I know him. He found me in my sins, and he loved me anyway, Pastor. I know him. He saved me. He washed me. He cleansed me. He changed me. He gave me a fresh start. Pastor, you understand? I know him. There have been times when I have been in difficult situations, and everybody else deserted me, but Jesus stood right with me and got me through. Pastor, listen to me. I know him. He is my savior. He's been my healer. He's been my deliverer. He's been my king. He's been my Lord. He's been my master. You don't understand. He is not just some. He is my everything. I know him, Pastor. Do you understand me, Pastor Chris? He is not just my Jesus on Sunday, but he's Jesus on Monday. He's Jesus on Wednesday. He's Jesus on Friday. He's Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noon time. He's my Jesus when the sun, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's Jesus when the sun goes down, Pastor. I know him. When I get up in the morning, he's with me. When I go to bed at night, he's with me. 
I walk with him. I talk with him. I love him. He loves me back. He talks to me. I know him. Is that the kind of relationship you have with him? Do you? Because that's the kind of relationship you're supposed to have. You ought to know him with the intimacy that a husband and wife know each other even deeper. That's how much you should know him. You ought to be able to say, I know him. I trust him. He's never failed me. He's dependable. My life belongs to him. I know him. Now, you better know what you believe. That's important. You need to have a sound doctrine, okay? Read your Bible. Come to church. Listen to these messages. Listen to our podcast. Listen to Let's Talk About God. You can learn so much from the podcast that Evan and I do. Read books, read blogs, whatever. Listen to podcasts. You need to do all those things. You need to know the promises of God. I love the fact we sang about the promises of God. You need to know the promises of God. It, it, you want to get through this life, know the promises of God. You need to be able to cling to those promises and say, I know what thus saith the Lord. I know what God said. I'm going through this situation, but this is what Jesus promised. And Jesus, I'm going to grab a hold of this and believe that you're going to come through for me. But more than what you believe and, 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 and what you know and more than the, knowing the promises of God, listen to me, you need to know Jesus. You need to know him. You need to be close with him. If you're going to make it through this life and make it to heaven, you better know Jesus. He better be more than just Sunday Jesus. He better be more than just, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven Jesus. I'm talking about he's your best friend. You pray to him every day. You talk to him. You read the Bible so he can talk to you. That's why preachers say, read and pray and pray. That's why I do my little mantra. Read and pray and pray and read and read and pray and pray and read and read. Come on, do it with me. Read and pray and pray and read and read and pray and pray and read. Why do you do that all that? You've been doing that for 20 years, Pastor, 21 years. I'll tell you why. Because that's how you maintain a relationship with Jesus. What if I only talk to Lee on Sunday morning and the rest of the week never talk to her? Would I have much of a marriage? No, it would be a pitiful marriage. I, I talk to her all the time. When she's at work, I'll call her in the middle of the day, and I remind her, I called you. You didn't call me. When I mess up next time, remember all these times. Anyway, never mind. TMI right there. Why do I call her? Because I, I tell her, I just want to hear your voice. Do you, all, do you all ever just want to hear Jesus' voice? Or can you go five days without reading your Bible? Come on, y'all, this is serious, isn't it? We ain't playing a game. This is heaven and hell. This is eternity, man. This is serious stuff, isn't it? Do you know him? I mean, I, I want you to leave here today saying, I love our southern cuss words, dadgummit. They're, they're sanctified cuss words. They're not cuss words. Dadgummit. Got to me again. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going sure, to make sure I read my Bible and I pray. I'm going to get close to Jesus. That's what I want to happen. I want you to get close to him. I want you to get so close to him that if anybody gives you a hard time, listen, Bobby Johnson is 83 years old. He's the pastor that I tutored under, that I served under at Praise Cathedral for 10 and a half years. He trained me. Half of what's wrong with me, it's his fault. If he's here, I'd tell him that. He'd laugh, okay? And, man, that man was hard on me. He was like a, he was like a Marine Corps drill instructor. Oh, he was rough on me at times. I needed it. He helped my rough edges and smoothed them, and he helped me and worked with me. And then he's the man that when God called me to start this church, he's the man that said, he could have put, put his thumb down and stopped it, y'all. 
He's the man that said, this is God. Let's go plant a church in Anderson. Y'all ought to love Bobby Johnson like I do. Because the only reason this church is here other than God is because Bobby Johnson said, let's do it. And put the full force and weight and finances of Praise Cathedral behind this church. Isn't that awesome? Now, Brother Johnson, he can be cocky, and he says he does his own thing, and he's just who he is. Y'all got to be around him. I love him. I love him now. But I tell people, I tell people, I say, he's Paul and I'm Timothy. I said, that's the way I feel. He's Paul and I'm Timothy. My daddy's here. My biological daddy's here, and I love him like nobody. But I said, but he's like, he's like my father in the faith in some ways because of the impact he's had on me. And I'll tell people, I said, don't you say anything bad about Bobby Johnson. I said, if you say anything bad about Bobby Johnson, I'm going to do it like Brother Terrence. I'm going to lay my legend down on you. I'm going to lay it down, hit you, and then I'll pick it back up. Well, I won't really hit him, but I'm going to want to. At least I'm honest about it, y'all. Okay, but you're not going to talk about Bobby Johnson and me, okay? Okay, if you start talking about Bobby Johnson, if you're around me, I'm not going to stand there and stay quiet and think to myself, well, I, I ought to say something. I don't believe, that's, you know, he's a deer, he's one deer spin. I don't say, oh, no, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to get in your face, and I'm going to say, you need to shut up right now. You need to be quiet because you're talking about somebody that I love and who poured into my life and means you don't know how much he means to me. You need to stop talking about that 83. Matter of fact, he's more of a man of God than you are. You need to be quiet. You say, you do, oh, you just try me. I do it in a heartbeat. You know why? Because I love that man. I love that man. He, he, he has poured so much to me. Listen to me. How I feel about one 83-year-old man Okay, somewhere over, and he's probably in Malden right now preaching in his little church of it. Listen to me. The way I feel about him, I feel way more about Jesus. You're not going to talk about Jesus. You're not going to, you can talk about me. You're going to talk about Jesus, and you will put me down. Go ahead, get it all out of your system, but you're not going to make me cower. I'm going to stand there, and wait, I'm going to say, you finished? You finished? Because you just wasted five minutes of my time. You can pick on me all you want to. You can talk about me. You can attack my faith all you want to. But you ain't done nothing for me. But Jesus has done everything for me. So you just wasted my time because you're not going to get me to bend. You're not going to get me to bow. You're not going to talk me out of this. Matter of fact, the way you acting like that makes me glad more than ever before. I ain't nothing like you. I used to be like you. But Jesus changed me. And you need the Jesus I got. Matter of fact, give me five minutes. It's my turn. You a reprobate. You a hellion. And you need Jesus. Jesus can change your life. You've ruined your marriage. You can't half keep a job. You're bound up with some kind of addiction. You need Jesus. Say, Pastor, that's bold. That's because the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You can't do be a mouse and witness for Jesus. Look at somebody and say, I'm a lion. Get your eyes real big when you say it. I'm a lion. That's how Paul took it. That's how he took it all. I heard a story one time. We got time. I heard a story one time, true story, that there was a, 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 a country, and I think it was one of the, the Asian countries where communism prevailed, where there was a Christian, it was an underground church, and they have to be an underground church there because if they come out, they'll all get shot. There won't be a church anymore. So in those cases, you have to be underground, but they still witness take their lives in their hands and they still witness one-on-one -on -one to people to win them for Jesus well uh, one of those Christians this is a true story one of those Christians several of them got caught and so they, they lined them up I, don't, I think this may have been back in the 60s they lined them all up got a firing squad the army they got a firing squad they rushed to kill them all and so the, the sergeant said ready aim and one of the Christians said stop 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 he said 
I don't want to do this. I don't want to die for Jesus. I renounce Christ. I renounce it. And so when they did, the sergeant said, okay, because they told me if you renounce Christ, we won't shoot him. Well, they wouldn't. None of them. That one did. And they cut him loose and let him go. When they did, craziest thing happened. One of the soldiers, the, actually the one that was going to shoot him, threw his rifle down, went run over there, and stood by the rest of them. And the sergeant started screaming at him and said, what are you doing? Get back in line. He said, no. He said, I'll not do it. He said, I accept Christ. He said, what are you doing? He's cussing at him, screaming at him. Get back in line. He said, no. He said, he got in his face. He said, what is wrong with you? He said, when we were having the guns pointed, he said, I looked and he said, there were gold. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, there were gold crowns coming down to heaven that was going to sit on every one of them. But when that one announced Christ, he said, the gold crown lifted. He said, I want that gold crown. He said, I accept Jesus. Shoot me. He said, then you'll get your wish. And they put him there and they shot him and killed him that day. You got to know him. You got to know him. If you're going to stand for him, you better know him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And he said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to Jesus against that day. What day? The day when Jesus returns. I'm persuaded. Now, I went to East Coast Bible College, which no longer exists. They absorbed it into Lee University, which is fine. But I had the greatest college professors in the world. Every Sunday, you benefit from these professors because of what they poured into me. Now I pour it into you every week. Isn't that cool? And one of the professors is Dr. George Voris. He's still living, lives in Gastonia, North Carolina. Dr. Voris was incredible. He was the most, one of the most, not, he had two earned doctorates, was one of the most knowledgeable theologians I've ever met in my life. Okay? Was an apologist, un- unbelievable apologist, defender of the faith. And I learned so much under him, and he was incredible. I learned so much from him. I, Dad and I went to visit him a number of years ago, and we went in and sat. It was like sitting at the feet of the Apostle Paul. For three hours, he talked, and you would just be like this. Time flew by. You were just, it was amazing. The guy's unbelievable. But as great a theologian as he was, he was also a great preacher. Unbelievable, top-notch preacher. Best you've ever heard. And Dr. Voris would sometimes preach in chapel. Man, we'd always get excited excited, because we knew. We knew how he was. And Dr. Voris would start, and he would start very methodically. He would begin to build his case, preaching the word. Right, guys? He's, he's, he's working his case. He'll for, he, was a, he was a former uh, United States Army Ranger. Isn't that cool? Also a Catholic. Got saved. So, so just, he's tough, man. He, was, he, would start, he would start making his case. He'd make his case. And then he'd start building that thing. And me and we, we, the anticipation in the chapel, we would all be like, oh, here it comes. we look at, here it comes. He'd start building that thing. You'd be getting excited because he's building the word. And he's starting to preach the word. He start, And then he would get to this point, and he would start, his head would start shaking like this. And if his head ever started shaking, you knew, here it comes. And he'd say, I want to tell you this morning, students, I am fully persuaded. And if he ever got fully persuaded about something, you better Katie bar the door. He'd get fully persuaded, and whatever he was fully persuaded of, he'd preach it. And when he did, we'd come up out of our seats, and we'd have a Holy Ghost time. People start running aisles and shouting, and the place would explode. A lot of times he wouldn't even finish preaching because he would just start preaching the Word, and he'd get fully persuaded about something. Well, then we'd all be fully persuaded. Well, 
That's what we need to do today because Paul was fully persuaded about something. He was fully persuaded that Jesus was able to keep or protect or guard what Paul had given him until the day when Jesus returns. Well, what did Paul commit to him? He committed to him his life. He committed to him his soul. He committed to him his eternal destiny. Watch this. He committed to him his salvation. Paul said there was a day when I used to work for, for my salvation. It's called Judaism. It's a day when I try to keep all these laws and commandments, but I found out that doesn't save me. There's only one thing that can save me, and that's Jesus and faith in Jesus and grace by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I have committed my life and my eternal soul to God, and I believe with all my heart that Jesus has the power. He is able to keep me and guard me and protect me even though I'm picked on, persecuted even though I suffer, I believe he's going to help me walk through it all the way until Jesus comes and takes me home to glory now I want to ask you a question this morning, do you have that same kind of persuasion today do you really believe with all your heart that if Jesus Christ is in you and you know him, that Jesus right now is working in you and is going to get you through everything in this life until the day you die or the rapture takes place and he's going to usher you in all the way into heaven in the Father's house. Do you believe that today? I've got to ask you if you really believe that. Because that's what's going to get you through the tough times. When somebody's picking on you, somebody's attacking you, you're losing something, your faith in Christ. What's going to keep you from hiding your faith? What's going to keep you from deserting your faith? It's going to be that you know him and that you know his power. You're going to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what I lose. It doesn't matter what I suffer. It doesn't matter what they type about me on, on, the, on the social media, the internet. It doesn't matter what people are saying behind my back. I know Jesus. And I know that he's promised that he would take me through all this stuff. I just need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I need to stay true to Jesus. I need to stay faithful to Jesus. I need to keep my confidence in Jesus because I'm persuaded that he can get me through this. And when the time comes, I'll leave this whole world. They won't be able to touch me anymore because I'm going to be in the Father's house forever and ever. Come on, somebody. How many know Jesus is able? Come on, I said, how many know Jesus is able? Let me tell you what Jesus is doing for you through the Holy Spirit inside of you. He is helping you every day to live right. You think you're doing it on your own? Uh Uh-uh. He's helping you to live right. He's helping you to walk right. He's helping you to talk right. He's helping you to pray right. He's helping you to shout right. He's helping you to obey God. He's helping you to serve him. When you fail, he's there to wash you and cleanse you. When you repent and to restore you and help you to keep on living for Jesus every day of your life. You're not on your own. That's the lie the devil wants you to get, but you're not on your own because you can't live it on your own. I can only, for me to live is Christ. Jude, in his little teeny tiny book at the end of the Bible, right before Revelation, Jude wrote this little book, but it's so powerful. It's like a stick of dynamite. He gets to the end of that book and he says, let me read this to you. Let me find it. Now to him who is able, talking about Jesus, to keep you from stumbling. Isn't that cool? He's helping you. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to our God and Savior alone be wise who's wise and be glory and all these things and he just gives us praise to God here's the part I want to get to 
He said, who's able to present you faultless. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Let them talk about you. Let them pick on you. Take your stand. Don't you hide, Jesus. Shine, Jesus. Do all the right things. Let them say stuff about you. Let them. Let them talk. Just grin. Just grin. Look at them. Grin. That'll make me more mad. Just grin. Lose something for Jesus. You keep serving him. You keep knowing him. You keep walking with him. You stay persuaded because here's what's going to happen. You might die. We might be fortunate enough that Jesus is going to come, the rapture takes place, and we all go to heaven. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome to happen right now? Be all right with me, okay? Be all right with me because there's nothing in this world that means as much to me as Jesus does. But you're going you're gonna to enter, you're going to walk. You're going to walk through the pearly gates. Your jaw's going to be down. Your eyes are going to be big. You're going to look like a mule staring at a new gate. I don't know St. Peter's at the gate or not. I don't know who made that up. But somebody is going to be there, Pastor Billy. And I know what they're going to do. They're going to take you to Jesus. Wouldn't it be cool if Jesus beats you at the gate? I won't get through the gate. They'll have to drag me in because I'm going to be on my face blubbering and crying and praising. How about y'all? It says you're going to have to wipe away the tears. But here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to put his hand around your shoulder and walk you personally into the throne room of God, the Father. And he's going to say, Father, I want to present to you Tim Roller. Tim, I'm going to pick on you. Father, this is Tim. He put his faith in me, and he trusted in me, and you saved him. And all these years, he stayed true. They have picked on him. They attacked him. They, there was times the devil attacked him. There's times he could have thrown in the towel, but he didn't do it. He stayed true. Father, I want to present him to you. This is one of those that said, I'm not giving up. This is one of those that said, I'm not turning back. This is one of those that said, I'm going all the way through, and he's made it, and I'm proud of him. He was not ashamed of us, and I'm not ashamed of him. Father, here he is. May I present to you Mr. Tim Roller. You know what God the Father's going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Why don't you get in here? Because there's some good things about to take place. Enter into the joys of the Lord. We're fixing to have a big time. You come in here. It's all over now. Get in here because things are just starting for you. Come on in the Father's house. How many want to make it through? There is a song. So I want to say this. Before I get to it, this is what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. I want to say this while you're sitting there. Don't give up. Don't you bail out on Jesus. You stand your ground. You stay the course. You keep the faith. Don't you give up on Jesus. There have been a lot of times I've had teenagers back in the years when I was a youth pastor. I'd lead teenagers. I still do it today. I'll lead a young person to Christ. They'll give their life to Jesus. And I'll look at them. I said, I want you to make me a promise. I said, you're going to keep your promise? They said, yeah. I said, I want you to promise me you'll serve Jesus all the days of your life and you'll never turn from him. 
You know why I do that? Because we need to be challenged. We don't need to have this mamby-pamby, spineless kind of Christianity where we're going to be, is Jesus on Sunday, but that's it. The rest of the week, we're something else. We need to have a, we, we want, we need to have a Jesus that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I want to influence everybody, including the young generation, that when you come to Christ, it's all in, it's forever, and don't you ever let anybody talk you out of it or persecute you out of it, but you just stand there, take your licks, and stand for Jesus. That's what I'm saying to high praises to my church today, to my brothers and sisters, my family. Y'all stand for Jesus. Take your licks. Stand for Jesus because you are blessed and you are favored and you will be rewarded. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.